Thank you for tuning in again today. This is Chris here with Would You Gaming. Wanted to take this opportunity to speak to you all about Nintendo and how they might be just cut from a different cloth other than their competition, their developers out there like Sony and Microsoft and how they might be a little bit different. Before we begin, I want to let you know, guys, sorry about the delay in getting this episode out. I actually recorded it or a variant of it about a week ago and I had some problems with my mic where it wasn't exactly picking up everything I was saying. Didn't want to put something out there that was just halfway done or possibly just not good. I'd rather it be something quality that you guys might like listening to rather than just to rush something out there just to have that out there for you to hear. But anyways, before we begin, thank you all for tuning in, liking, subscribing. If you haven't already, make sure you do so and let us know what we can do to make the podcast overall a better experience for me, which you'd like to see in the future if you have any ideas can email us just let us know i'll look over those and i will create and record those at the earliest time available but yeah to start things out i just want to discuss nintendo is quite different from their competitors while sony and microsoft focus on creating the next generation of hardware that might be the most powerful graphically enhanced outside of a pc nintendo is out here using old technology that's been around for a while to sell you software more than anything they they want to push those hardware numbers no doubt because they want everybody to have their own switch for their tv their own handheld as well but they're out here more than anything selling you that software the titles they've come up with throughout the years the marios the zeldas the pokemon the kirby's and i just wanted to discuss with you all how this is just so different from everybody else now these other companies they have their main ips as well we have Halo, we have Gears of War with Microsoft, we have Sony with um, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Killzone, the infamous. So they're stacking up over there as well, along with Spider-Man. Can't forget the good old Web Slinger, one of my favorite from my youth as well there. But if we look at the titles that are coming out on the Nintendo consoles, they're not the most graphically heavy titles. Some of them look great, like Breath of the Wild. It has a great presentation quality. And it is a great title, but this is not the main selling point. The main selling point is it's Zelda. It's a Zelda title. And for instance, just to put emphasis on this, if we look at the Link's Awakening game, that game was not a graphical powerhouse whatsoever. And it sold very well. It was a remake of a Game Boy game. A rather short one at that. I think the thing's like 8 to 10 hours long, maybe a little bit longer if you complete everything been years since i played that title i haven't played the latest one on the switch so excuse me for not be doing my research there but yet nintendo they they just seem to push their developers and they keep them more so than than sony or microsoft do so let's look over over at our competitors here at sony and microsoft which i say competitors you guys know i'm a sony fanboy i'm not a big fan of microsoft but sony i really do love their titles and their consoles Provided they can keep those things running for me. My PS4 Pro has a HDMI input issue. I'm going to have to replace that. I guess I better learn to solder. But yeah, if we look over at the competitors at Microsoft or Sony, I'll challenge you to name me somebody who's been there with the company for a while. Not saying they have to be leadership. Not saying they have to be the head of the company or anything like that. But I want you to name me somebody who's been with that company for some time. Who has just been there and they've help build up the gaming landscape who have just been innovators for the company and made them their bread and butter 
I challenge you because I don't think you can. I know there are some great developers and development teams at both of the companies. We had 343, which replaced Bungie over at Microsoft. We have uh, Sucker Punch, and I think they're the ones who did Spider-Man, right? Or Insomniac, Insomniac as well. So we have those two over there. Sony Santa Monica Studios, of course, the namesake there. But there are not many individual developers that you can name who have just helped to build the company up who have been there for years and years. And I put heavy emphasis on that. Because if we look back at when Nintendo first started to take off, it was mostly due to one man. I say that as a team there, but one man came up with the thought process. One man came up with The Legend of Zelda the Legends of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, and Pikmin. Those are some of the larger IPs over Nintendo. Excluding the Pokemon franchise, those might be the largest ones that they actually have there. And of course I'm talking about Shigeru Miyamoto there. When he first started out with Nintendo, they had light gun cabinets they were selling. and Not selling or they were leasing them out, collecting the money, because this was an arcade business at the time. He came up with the premise of Donkey Kong because he really, really liked Popeye. And the and he used that same love triangle premise where Bluto was always trying to kidnap Olive Oil, where, where um, Popeye had to go after him every time. He took that and he applied it to the, the, uh, the arcade title Donkey Kong. So Mario would have to run up the uh, girders trying to get to Donkey Kong jumping over barrels as need be, and rescuing Pauline at the top, a precursor to Princess Peach. Now, for those of you who do not remember, this isn't the Donkey Kong SNES title that we love so much, which was were sequels to these that actually fleshed out the character even more. This was the first introduction of the title of Donkey Kong, and the subsequent ones we got Donkey Kong Jr., who would become Diddy Kong down the road, or that might have just been Donkey Jr. from Donkey Kong 3, who we all hated, but yeah. Those were those were titles that became very popular. They made Nintendo a lot of money despite the West offices of Nintendo, that's the US offices, hating the titles, predicting they were going to fail. They made Nintendo subsequently a lot more money than they thought they would. And I think that's an interesting thing. He came in there, he innovated, and from beyond that, he was able to do so much more. He eventually came up with Super Mario Brothers, which took the plumber from Donkey Kong Gave him his own platforming title, and that became a hit. After the following this up was Zelda, and I mean, the rest is history there. Uh, I Like I said, I challenge you to look at a developer on Sony's team, on Microsoft's team, who's been there with them some while, who has done this. And this is not to say that, um, that it was all Miyamoto, because we have some great people like Koji Kondo there, who did the music in a lot of these games as well. They worked on the music in Punch Out, and for all the for a lot of the Super Smash Brothers games, including the Wii U title, notably the SNES title of of what was it, uh, Donkey Kong. I mean, listen to the water level there, and that is some wonderful music there. And I mean, we you could go on and on. The list is so extensive at Nintendo. They have such a resource of talent there, and the thing is, they didn't take them for their one title use it, and then they move on to some other company. They move on. These these people are lifelong Nintendo workers. Miyamoto, even, they prohibit him from riding a bicycle to work because he is such 
brilliant individual and they want to make sure that he stays that way and they're able to keep him around for years to come. They don't want anything to happen to him. They won't let him ride a bike to the office there. He has to take a train or ride in a car or a taxi or something along those lines. And moving on from Miyamoto, we can look at Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon. He created Pokemon because he loved bugs. That's why there were so many bug types uh, back in the day. He was a big fan of those. And he created that title, which spawned so much more than just games. He he was one of the um, one of the creators of Game Freak. He was the Game Freak came from the title of a fanzine he actually created back in the day and sold, uh, and then and they turned that into a development studio. We of course have Creatures Inc. there and them as well, and that's one of those things as well. Nintendo will get these individuals and they have them in house working with them, but they will also form studios with them to work. Of course, where Nintendo will be the majority owner there. But they will be in-house studios to Nintendo. So we, we have that as well. We can look over at Sakurai, or Satoru Iwata, his uh, successor there. Uh, Sakurai worked very stringently on the Super Smash Brothers title, The Ultimate. And he's still pushing on that because he had such a great working relationship with the, the uh, president of Nintendo, the former HAL Laboratory uh, employee Satoru Iwata. They were great friends, and I mean, he was deeply loved. He was a, he's a. They had great friendship there, and they worked and they pushed each other just to do better. So, I mean, there are just so many developers over at Nintendo who, who just get to do their own thing. They work with the company, and they've been there for years. And I think it's an amazing thing if we look at Nintendo. They play on the nostalgia a great deal. They're selling you on nostalgia. Now, I mean, how the hell else are they going to be able to sell you Donkey Kong Country 3 for the SNES a third time? If you look back, I bought that guy on the SNES Classic. That's one time. 3DS console. And now I have paid for my subscription to the Nintendo Switch online service every month. So I'm able to uh, play that as well. But Nintendo is a, a master of selling you nostalgia, selling you your childhood back. They're doing it to me every day and I cannot say that I complain about this. It's an interesting time to be alive, to be a, a video gamer, to just enjoy this form of media. And You know, art, art, artsy-fartsy people and film critics have their time. I guess this is our era here. And I'm quite enjoying it to say the least. But I just want to touch back on that as well. Look, touching back on how Nintendo feels as a family, how they just feel like they're welcoming and they play on that nostalgia. We even look back at the some of the the showcases that Nintendo or or Sony or Microsoft have even done. Usually, with Sony's state of play, I can't speak for Microsoft. I don't watch those, as we know. But for Sony's state of the play, it's this disembodied voice that's just speaking to you. I mean, you you're not listening to anybody. There's just a voice there, and they're introducing you title by titles. Whereas with the Nintendo Treehouses or the Nintendo Directs. Those were usually led by an individual. I mean, in the most recent one, we had somebody from the Pokemon Company. I can't remember the gentleman's name. We had A.G. Alnuma introducing us to the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So they're not just putting titles out there. It seems like they're doing that extra step to just try to connect with their audience there. And as a result of that, they get a lot of positive results. And that's not to say Nintendo is perfect. We all know these cease and desist Nintendo Ninjas shutting down Melee tournaments and stuff along those lines. 
that's going to happen. But I mean, that's going to happen anywhere where you're trying to protect your IP, ensure it's not damaged or anything along those lines, which I can't defend what they did with the melee because that was just using a different uh, means of playing it, an emulator, which that is just a no-no for Nintendo. I understand that completely. No qualms about that here. But we, we, we get a lot out of Nintendo and they just, they keep their people close. They keep their developers for a lifetime. They want to repay them, it seems, or allow them to do even more of their work and just make the money at the end of the day. But I mean, either way, it just seems like it's a more family-friendly environment. And they, at the end of the day, they started out selling you consoles for the family. It wasn't about these uh, titles that had more gore or anything along that in it. And I mean, we've got titles like that as years have gone on. There was a title on the GameCube, Eternal Darkness. It was one of one of the first darker titles that I can recall. But these were these were definitely definitely titles that you usually wouldn't see on a Nintendo console because they were about selling you family titles that you could play with the family. And even Miyamoto, he wasn't a big fan of shooting titles. He said he was kind of burnt out on all that. That's why he went in the Donkey Kong direction. He was permitted to do that, and look what he was able to do. But anyway, I just wanted to talk, touch base with you guys, talk to you about this subject. I think it's vastly interesting. Let me know if you have any thoughts about it uh, or any ideas for future topics we can discuss on the podcast. You can always email me, and though I'll check those pretty regularly. Woodyougaming at gmail.com, W-O-U-L-D-J-A-G-A-M-I-N-G at gmail.com. But anyways, I appreciate you guys sticking around till the end. Let me know what you can, what I can do to improve the podcast, make it better for you all in your listening experience. Peace.